Welcome to Football is for Footballers, the podcast that brings you the detailed perceptions into the world of women's football. Hey everybody and welcome to another episode in Football is for Footballers. Now today we were going to do the second part of the report and discuss the changes that have been made in the last couple of years. But actually, after watching an absolutely breathtaking match in the semi-finals of the Women's World Cup last night between England and the US, I think it's only right that we start discussing that. Now there are many reasons why we haven't touched upon the Women's World Cup yet on these podcasts. For one, the fact there is so much going on nearly every single day. It's hard to come up with the opportunity to talk about different things and then give it a chance for everybody to allow it to sink in. There are opportunities to discuss VAR, the drama that have gone on, new teams that have been involved in the tournament, the development of teams that are now actually within the tournament itself, the highs and the lows. You could even talk about Cameroon's behaviour against England in the knockout stages. And those topics we will cover in bite-sized pieces for you when there's an opportunity to sit back, allow the tournament to have finished, and congratulate, of course, the winners. But also then take in little flashbacks on the tournament, reminders of what went right, what went wrong, what was fantastic, what do we not want to have next time, things to improve upon. And then use this as, this is not the end, but let's continue to use what's just happened to move forward. In this episode, though, We'll take a look at the difference in styles between the two teams in the semi-final. Some of the facts which really outline the reasons why the game went the way it did in the most key moments. The differences between the two teams in the way that they played and ultimately how the result actually came about. And the overall lessons that can be learned for both teams from such an event, such a semi-final. So we start off with the differences in styles. Now, as we know, stats don't play the overall part in the result and the way it should have gone. Of course, the score does that. But it's good to have a look at the stats now before we go into the different ways that they play. Overall, England had 57% of the possession. They had a greater percentage of passing accuracy. They forced the USA goalkeeper to make more saves. And overall had more forward passes. But, and this is the big but, The USA overall had 10 shots to England's six. Both had the same on target, four on four. They had a percentage of their passes more in the attacking third, were nearly 60%. They had seven key passes. They had less crosses, but the same amount of clear-cut chances and won 12 fouls in comparison to seven. Now, this kind of falls in line with what we're going to talk about. The way that England have brought about this really nice passing style to their game, a patient build-up play, looking for overlaps, whether that's with Mead outside with Stokes coming on the overlap, or whether it's Lucy Bronze looking to see Paris drive in and then she can go around and create the crossing opportunity as well. There is a lot built around through the back, looking for Steph Houghton and Millie Bright to play balls through to Walsh or Jill Scott in the middle. And then they can eventually play it wide and get through the first line of defence or the first press. And also looking to keep the game tighter in a way. Not looking to expand too wide to begin with, looking to play through the middle and open up different opportunities before eventually giving it to the players up front who can cause damage. 
And rather than always looking for the crosses into the box for Ellen White to then get onto, rather trying to play her through to play split passes between the defenders and get players to penetrate into the box through the middle zones. The stats, they, they kind of lead up to this. They kind of reciprocate that. The fact that there was more possession, the fact they took more time on the ball, the fact they played more passes and more accurate passes. But it was actually in the final third that they were less damaging. USA looked to take the ball wide. They created overlaps with Dunn and O'Hara. They were looking for angled balls into central areas and getting players with the attacking mouse that they do within their front three to play off the shoulder of the blindsided defender and get through ahead of them. They were more direct, they had less passes, they were quicker on their speed of the ball, but also by playing it wider and normally only having three to begin with in the attack, they did push quite a few balls down the sides to players that couldn't make the runs forward, whether that was Morgan or Tobin Heath. So yes, there was more damage, and yes, there was a lot more threat from the US. Definitely, in the way they played with better speed, greater overlapping, looking to counter-attack with the ball. But of course, that also creates opportunities for passes to not go well, or the accuracy to drop. The main difference here, though, was the way in which the United States pressed England. And there has been a comment made about nearly every single game that England have played in, that at periods in the match, they get a bit sloppy. These attempts to play out through the middle or to pass out from the back or this relaxed sort of style that they have with playing sometimes causes them to lackadaisically almost pass to an opposition or underhit a ball or mispass a ball into the middle that's then intercepted to a counter-attacking team that then has forward momentum. And against a team with the quality of the United States, this became a huge problem. In fact, this was one of the reasons that the first goal was scored. A ball played out from the back, which was misplaced to Jill Scott in the middle, that the United States took and allowed them to counter with players moving in the right direction against a team moving in the opposite way. It eventually went out wide, and the ball went to Christine Press, who, with Lucy Bronze aiming on the ball, came off her shoulder, and Press managed to head it, and it was a good header as well. Finally, I think after nine attempts, she got the goal, and a good time to get it too. BC is a difference. England's patient build-up play meant that they were taking time on the ball. They were forcing the United States to press them at opportunities and then using that space created by the press, then play through the middle to players. And having a belief and confidence in themselves with the likes of Paris or Meade or Daly or even White to get on the ball and take their players on, there was this essence or sense that they could really cause damage if they got beyond the second zone in the middle and into the final third. And sadly, it didn't work for them at all times. But much can be seen with the goal and the excellent finish by White. When the opportunities came, they definitely gave it a go. So sadly, whilst the stats say that England dominated possession, they had more passes, they had um, more accurate passes, it's those goals, of course, two to one, the amount of opportunities that were created by the United States in comparison to England. And then also, finally, the key chances that were created in the most dangerous areas were far superior by the States than it was for England. And this translates into the key moments, the next bit we're going to look at. We can look at the USA goals, whether it's Press or Morgan. For both goals, they were crosses or long balls or lofted balls over the top. And whilst the actual goals weren't directly from mistakes, England actually had the ball and gave it away at 
key opportunities really within their own half which allowed the United States to once again counter. And with the first goal, the ball was excellent into the box and of course, Kristen Press got off the shoulder of Lucy Bronze, got above her and managed to head it into the back of the net. It was a good finish. And then similarly, having a look at the Morgan finish, I think the ball in by Horan just over the top was perfectly weighted for Morgan. And it's one of those balls where when you actually look at the movement of Morgan, a phenomenal player as we know, she got inside Stokes' line and meant that Stokes now had Morgan on the wrong side. And from that moment on, it was just down to whether Morgan could get the ball past Telford or not, which she did. In between the two goals, we had the excellent finish by White. The ball was played out nicely, it was played through the line once again, and the ball got all got out wide, and me put in a lovely ball, which on that sort of half volley, having to open your right foot and then get it on to the post and in, it was an excellent finish. And it was deserved for England as well. They had nice moments in the game. And of course, added that extra drama to the match as well. With the intensity of the first half and the to and fro of these teams just constantly attacking one another, going for it, and then the added ingredients of the few England mistakes that were made, allowing USA to attack from dangerous areas, the first half finished and there was this sense of whether they could continue this sort of tempo into the second half. And whilst maybe the play wasn't at the same speed as it was maybe in the first 45 minutes, the drama that was in the second 45 just made the whole game absolutely breathtaking from start to finish. You had the offside goal, which is rightly offside. By the letter of the law, Ellen White was slightly offside. She had part of her body, I think it was her foot and knee were offside, and whilst it was a good finish at a very important time in the game, which could have changed momentum once again, the offside was rightly given. Then on top of that, with I think at the current time, there were only five or six minutes to go, penalty was given. And overall, people might say that it was a little bit lenient, it was a soft penalty to give. But going in at the speed that Ellen White was taking, and the direction she was taking, and the foot she was using, Slight bit of contact on your knee does take you away from the ball, and the penalty was given. And having seen Nikita Paris miss the last two, there was no better person than the captain, Steph Houghton, to step up and take it. Yes, we could say that Ellen White was probably the person that should have stepped up. She scored six goals in the tournament. She was absolutely on fire, already got one in the game, got the offside ruled out. But it takes a strong character to step up and take a penalty. And it was probably already agreed before the match that she would take it. Sadly, the finish was not good enough. It was too close to the goalkeeper, it was under hit, and Naya made the save. She did what she needed to do, she read the right way. And for a team that had been looking for so long to find the opportunity to actually break through the United States back line, and Saubran giving this opportunity for England to do that from the spot, you could tell it kind of drained the team the second that the penalty was missed. Things didn't get any better from there, of course. Within about two minutes of that opportunity, Billy Bright was given a second yellow and an overall red card. And for a team that's already trying to win a game against a team that's very strong in defence, had set up well and had players that could hold the ball up, take it into the corners and call a, almost nullify any opportunity to play out from the back. Again, it stung. Now, I don't think the referee had the best control of the game ever, and I think that the first yellow card that was given to Millie Bright probably shouldn't have been. But overall, the red card was given. England were down to 10 players. 
They were already trying to bring on Stanway as well, another attacker. And from that moment on, any time England tried to get the ball, the States would play it out. And they had players like Morgan or Carly Lloyd at the end who could just take it into the corners, expertly hold it. And therefore, any time England got the ball, they were almost having to attack from a pitch length away. You had seven minutes at the end because of all the VAR decisions, penalty decisions, players going down, Heath's injury, players having to stop. So there was a lot of time still for that last seven minutes of drama, maybe a final goal, take it to extra time, or even a goal for the United States. But overall, you had a first half full of attacking play, free-flowing football, almost everything thrown against the wall. This is it. We've got to get as many goals as we possibly can in the first half. Second half more cagey, but the drama that surrounded it just culminated in this beautiful game of football, which everybody can talk about, for better or for worse, as being a fantastic demonstration of how good this Women's World Cup has been. So looking at the differences between the two teams within the game itself, the way they played, the way they set up, the match facts, the key moments. England's play this expansive football, this playing out from the back, looking to be incisive and play passes through the middle, between the lines, between almost zone one to zone two, and almost get it through with this on-the-ground football. At times, it looks absolutely beautiful. It's nice style of play. There's interlinking, almost wall passes. There's one-twos. There's triangle plays. And overall, that's the sort of football you want to see. It is expressive. It's entertaining. It's exciting. It gets players moving forward. And when it goes right, it is really, really interesting to see the interlinking transitional play of the players with one another. These third man runs, these overlaps. But when it goes wrong, you are opening yourselves up to counter-attacking teams taking advantage of opportunities in dangerous areas. As we had mentioned before, England had had this occur at many opportunities during the tournament. The best case scenario we can give is against Norway. Now, England did win the match quite convincingly, but Norway did, in the last 20 to 30 minutes, have many opportunities from sloppy, tired passes to take advantage and to score, one of them being the opportunity that Houghton cleared off the line. Against a team of the United States quality, this was always going to be a major talking point. And sadly, that proved to be. The two goals, like we said before, whilst they can't be attributed to the fact that They were direct mistakes that came straight or led straight to goals. They were the reasons that the United States got the ball in England's half and were allowed to attack with a bit more freedom and with a bit of a carefree essence to it. If England had gone long, yes, tactically they wouldn't have been in those situations and of course there wouldn't have been as much danger on them because the United States would have had to attack from deeper. But overall, the way that Phil Neville set up this team is they want to play their style of football, they want to leave nothing left in the tank, and they want to show who they truly are. And with a team that's in development, as we've talked about before in previous episodes, about this idea of building a philosophy and a style, it takes time. Now, Phil Neville has been in the job for for nearly 18 months now. In fact, it was in January last year when he was given the position. And since then, he has stated that he wants to bring this style of football that is original and unique to England. And for that to happen, you need a long period of time to instill this. 18 months seems like a good period, but it still needs more time than that. Players need to experience this style of expansive play against the best teams. 
and therefore this opportunity to play against the United States, if they'd have changed their game, many would have thought it's a shame. And yes, of course, these mistakes lead to failure. But if you think about it, in three years' time of playing the same style with the same methods, same philosophies, if they get it right, cut out these tiny errors, they're going to be a seriously dangerous team with the ball. And as we've said before, the USA capitalized on these counterattacks with pace, direct, fast football, and looked dangerous at every opportunity that they were behind England's defensive first and second line of press. At times, it was three against four, or even four against four, or even five against four on an overload. And every time England were backtracking, it caused problems. Let's face it, Stokes has stepped in for Greenwood. So to come in against Norway and now the United States is a big task, especially against somebody with the quality of Heath. And then for Lucy Bronze, arguably, and as Phil Neville has rightly said many times, the best player in the world. A lot has been made about her attacking qualities and abilities to drive forward. And she is an exceptional defender. But Kristen Press caused a lot of problems for her. And the fact that there were overlaps and that Nikita Paris or Daly had to get back or Meade had to get back and support as England were trying to force the game, it left her quite exposed at times. That's not to say she's any less of a player at all. But the United States definitely, and including when they had done going forward as well, had two very quick, powerful players coming up against bronze and it caused many, many issues for her. And overall, the United States were fitter. They were a superior threat and they technically have better individuals right now. The fact that they could bring on Carly Lloyd at the end or that Rapinoe wasn't even able to play because of a slight hamstring injury but still have the quality of press, it shows the ability the United States has in the depth of their squad. Every time they went forward, they looked damaging and dangerous. Like we said before, their defence didn't make as many mistakes. They looked calm and composed on the ball. They were doing nice interchanges in the middle. They had plenty of shots from depth. Nice little creative through passes. And they actually closed out the game pretty well. They kept England to a minimum in the second half of the amount of opportunities they had. And when called upon, Nea made one excellent long-range save and saved the penalty that pretty much won them the game. So overall, what can we say about the two teams right now, literally 12 hours after the game finished? Well, England can be very proud of the way they've played. They stuck to their game plan. They showed no fear against the United States. They went for it. They weren't overruled by the high intense press that the United States brought to them or the fact that they were attacking with players that were so unbelievably strong, technically dangerous, direct and really caused problems all the time. It didn't really change the way that the team played or the fact that they wanted to try bits and pieces during the match. They gave everything. Phil Neville said at the end it was no time for tears, but it was a time for smiles, the fact that they could not do any more. And he is right. If the penalty had gone in, who knows? They'd kept the United States to two goals. Sadly, they couldn't stop them from scoring within the 12 minutes, which has happened to every team now in the tournament. But they kept them quiet in the second half. And even down to 10 players at the end, they still managed to look like they could create an opportunity. And maybe even level it. Seth Houghton stood up and took the kick. 
And while she missed, and it will be absolutely devastating for her, and of course for the whole of England, it is a phenomenal achievement for her to not only step up and take it in such a position and as a time, but take on the responsibility as captain for her team. They'd already missed two penalties in the competition, and I guess a lot of pressure would have been on the person to take it in the semi-final. After all, it was going to make a difference at the time, and they could have expected that before the match. She is a phenomenal role model for so many players within the country, but also for that team, whilst she might not be feeling it right now, the fact that she was able to take that so late in the game says so much about the character that she is and the player and how much she means to this team. Finally, this was really a chance to take something from the United States for England. They, they were there for the taking. The United States have been dominant move going forward. They've managed to create a lot of opportunities, but in the last couple of games, they've won 2-1. In fact, it's three in a row now. And you can't say that, for example, France in the first half of their match didn't create enough opportunities to maybe get a second goal at the time. Or if the penalty had gone in for England, 2-2 going into the final, let's say, 30 minutes of extra time, there could have been another opportunity for them. But rather than seeing it as a failure, there should be a lesson learned. An idea of playing against the most superior team in the world right now. What little areas need to be improved upon. Minimising the mistakes from the back line. Ensuring just being that bit fitter and faster. And making sure to, when you're playing this direct and expansive style of football and incisive football, that you continue to create as many opportunities as possible. And for the USA? They'll be relieved to have won the game, but they are rightfully in the final. Superiority and technically powerful players, they did the job. They showed champion spirit. They looked dangerous and the lack of mistakes that they had in the back meant that they weren't under consistent pressure from a front line or attacking line like England. And yes, of course, there was the penalty, but that was one minor, we can't say minor error, but one major error within the whole 90 minutes. They looked dangerous going forward, which meant that England were always on the back foot. And whilst the game didn't really get too bumpy for them, Neo, when called upon, made excellent saves. They came against a tough challenge. But when you look at it, Nikita Paris and Lucy Bronze have been two of the most dangerous players for England. And actually, when you analyse the game and have a look back at some of the highlights, they weren't at their free-flowing best, which says a lot about the way that the United States kept them quiet. Their game plan was spot on. They did what they needed to do. They took the opportunities when they came. And overall, the best team won. And now we've got to see whether it's Sweden or the Netherlands that will be joining them in the final on Sunday.